Jimmy, I have been trying to figure out different ways to like introduce the podcast, you know, because I do a little like we have the little like cold open before the theme plays. Uh-huh. And I feel like I'm just running out of like natural ideas. But I, I love there are certain podcasts that I like. I really love the way that they enter their show. And I I want to find a way to like emulate that feeling without just completely cribbing. Just stealing their... someone else's style. Yeah. Like, for example, so like. Uh, I listened to a podcast about strategy games called Three Moves Ahead. And one of the hosts, Rob Zachney, whenever he's on, he starts the podcast with, Good evening. <laughs> no matter where uh, it is that you're listening to it or when they're recording. Yeah, no, no, no. And that's and that's the thing. That's what I love about it is like, no matter, I could be listening to it in the morning, I could listen to it at lunchtime, but every time I know that I'll be greeted with, Good evening. Well, it's evening somewhere. <laughs> uh, stopped clock is right twice a day. Uh, so I don't know. So I, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. If you like have any strong feelings about how you really want to just get into the pod. Uh, well, it's not evening here, but it is time to duel. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was... Hoping you would uh, pick up the other half of that. But. Oh, 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 pardon me. Your move! It's time to podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! recap podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. This week, we are talking about Season 1, Episode 40, Aftermath. Aftermath! Jimmy, we are out of the five-episode monstrosity hooray and i'm gonna be honest with you i went back in i miss it yeah uh it, it was the same it was like having the same meal every week to look forward to it's like it was pretty good in terms of like multi-part story arcs yeah it was I, not as bad as some of the like two-parters we've had to do that's very true that's very true it feels to me like like going to the pool as a kid and you're swimming and you're enjoying it. And then by the end, like your fingers are all pruny and it's time to go home. And you're like, yeah, maybe I do want to go home. And then you get out of the pool and then you immediately want to go back. Yeah. And you regret ever getting out of the pool. That's how I feel after watching this episode. Man, now I'm getting all kinds of nostalgic sense memories. <laughs> now, uh, you, now you want to go to the pool. Now I want to go to the pool, but I can't because uh, I always went to the pool at my dad's work, which was the Lawrence Livermore National Nuclear Laboratory. And ever since 9-11, they decided, hmm, maybe we shouldn't let all these random people come to the pool at our National Nuclear Laboratory. And so they filled the pool up with uh, concrete and paved it over. Oh, that's actually kind of sad. I thought you were going to be like, and then they realized that the pool was what was cooling the nuclear reactor. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, okay, they well, did, that's good. In fact, pave paradise and put up a parking lot. But oh, or something. I don't know what's. <laughs> we'll say it's a parking lot. That's a better story. Uh, this episode was. How, how did you just? We don't have to get it like too deep into it. We'll get into that later. But like roughly, how did you feel about episode forty aftermath? I like this episode. Yeah, it was almost all story. There was a lot of magic stuff. There was a new character who I have seen before mm -hmm. in season zero. We've all technically seen them. Yes. 
They appear every episode, but this is the first time we've seen them. In the intros. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, no, this is this is like entirely your shit, actually, which uh, I feel like is, is a good sign. Uh, but before we talk about that, before we get too, too deep in, uh, Jimmy, as you know, every deep, week. Too deep in the pool. <laughs> can't go too deep in the pool. Let's pave over this pool temporarily. <laughs> Uh, before we talk about the episode every week, Jimmy, we like to give our listeners a recommendation of something that they can do with their 20 minutes because we value their time, even if they don't. Uh, what is your recommendation this week? All right. You've got 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Please go get a flu shot. Ah, yes, please. (laughs) Uh, I had not gotten the flu shot for several years. And as you all know, I... Uh, got the flu just last week and it knocked me straight on my ass because you know you look at all the like medicine in the store and stuff and it's like cold and flu and you just get to thinking that oh flu is just kind of a bad cold no it's something completely different and it'll ruin you I'm still not over it Um, there was a period of four days when I didn't eat anything whatsoever Um, I all I could do was lie in bed because I couldn't even like read or play video games or watch TV or anything. Uh, all I could do was drift in and out of consciousness and have horrible fever dreams. Uh, the flu is bad. It's kind of <laughs> go it, get vaccinated against it. It's so Don't funny, do it like what I did. Yeah, it's so funny when you when people talk about like, oh yeah, I got the flu or whatever. <coughs> it's like you you hear that and you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's it. It's like a bad cold, right? Like that's all it is. You get like a fever, you feel nauseous or whatever. Like, no, it's kind of amazing how much your body makes you forget what the flu feels like until you get the flu and you instantly recall all the times that you've had the flu in your life. I can't remember the last time I was this sick. I think it had to have been when I was in like high school or something because man, it, it just drained me completely. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think like if there's anything worse than getting the flu. I lost <laughs> ten pounds in five days. This last time you got the flu? Just now, yes. Damn. Cause I mean, and for you, like, it lasted a lot longer than you've been sick, at least in the time that I've known you. Like that was what, a week and a half? Yeah, when you get a like a cold, you're just like, uh, this isn't that good. Uh when you have the flu, it just you can't do anything. Yeah. And then it just kind of lingers and then it like goes away a little bit. And then you like exert yourself just a tiny bit, just like walking around the the house or like going to a friend's and then it all comes back at you. Uh, I went to uh, my friend's place to play uh, Call of Cthulhu and wrap up our one shot that we were doing for that. And I couldn't drive myself back home. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I had to call uh, a lift to take me back home, and they were very kind and drove my car back to me the next day. But yeah, holy shit, it's, it's not good. Yeah, yeah, get a flu shot, everybody. This is a great recommendation. If you're in the states, you can get a flu shot for free from your job, most places. Uh, mm-hmm. Or I think if you don't have. Even if you don't have insurance, you can go into like a yeah. like a CVS or a Walgreens or something, and it's super Basically cheap. Basically, anywhere right? that has if a pharma- free. pharmacy, yeah, you can even go to like, I think Walmart has it in some places. If they have a pharmacy, you can just walk right in and pay like 
maybe like 20 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And Lauren, Lauren just said there's a great episode of Sawbones, uh, the, the podcast about medical history where they talk about the flu shot. So all the like the myths about why people shouldn't get a flu shot, they like debunk each and every one of those myths. So that's a really good listen to if you're on the fence about whether or not to get a, get a flu shot and Jimmy's testimony is not enough for you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's impossible tw- to get the flu from a flu shot. Lauren reminds me. It's worth the 20 bucks or whatever. Oh, easily less. Please take care of yourself. Lauren and I, Lauren and I got flu shots here. And for the both of us, it was like 12 pounds. So like $15 for two people. Yeah. And that's like with no insurance or anything. So if you have insurance of any kind, uh, you're probably covered. And if you don't, it's like the cost of coffee. Yeah. I mean, a lot of coffee, but still. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like a like a <laughs> like your kind of coffee, Jimmy. Not my kind of coffee. Yeah. If you like me and you just want to go into Starbucks and get a grande uh, raspberry white chocolate mocha and like a bagel on the side, then yeah, that's about the same <laughs> cost. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, second recommendation, get a grande raspberry white chocolate mocha because it's delicious. That sounds really good right now, actually. <laughs> as soon as you said it, I was like, damn, yeah. What's your recommendation? My recommendation this week uh, is going to be less serious. My recommendation this week is wear an eye patch. Just out and about? or Yeah, well, just why? like just like around. So the, the, the background to this is, and yes, I do mean like a full-on like pirate eye patch. Uh, if you don't have an eye patch, cover one eye and walk around like that. The background of this is, so my, my D&D group got together yesterday, and uh, one of the players, Paul, shout-outs to Paul, uh, shows up, and he has this giant bandage over one eye. Hi, Paul. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I, I genuinely don't know. I don't remember if he said he did or not, but... Uh, he, he shows up and he's got this giant bandage over one eye and Paul wears glasses, right? So he's also got this like cardboard half of a pair of glasses that a friend made for his with old lenses. So he's wearing a, a half glasses over one eye and a giant patch over the other. And we're like, what the fuck happened to you? And he goes, well, I was at batting practice and my friend loaded the pitching machine and I just it whatever weird like fate of the cosmos lined up a 75 mile an hour ball hit me square in the eye and shattered my glasses into my face damn (laughs) and so he's like it's probably gonna be fine but the swelling is just too bad to know so all they could do is just give me a bunch of painkillers and put a patch over it so now i'm I'm here playing D&D trying to distract myself (laughs) yikes I feel like that's the sort of thing that if he wasn't wearing glasses, he wouldn't have an eye anymore. I mean, maybe is the thing, right? Like, it's impossible to tell. Um, But, yeah, that could be the crazy thing is, like, even though there were shards of glass that they had to pull out of his eyelids, like, that could be the thing that saves his eye. We, We don't know yet. We won't know, I think, until tomorrow, I think. But, uh yeah, so so that was crazy, but the thing that I realized and like he and I were kind of joking about was so where we were meeting to play, the restroom was like down the stairs and around the corner, 
And so he was like, I genuinely need somebody to walk me to the restroom because I can't see anything out of the right hand side of my face. <laughs> and the glasses that he were wearing that he was wearing were an old prescription. So uh, he was like already semi-blind in his remaining eye. Not only and, are you missing half your vision, the other half is blurry. And the thing the thing that we kind of realized was like or I mean, I realized and joked about it anyway, uh, was, you know, if you're doing this on purpose, that would be kind of a fun experiment to like go through your day with one eye completely covered just to, I don't know, just to experience that. See like, how I'd, quickly you can walk into traffic and get hit by a double-decker bus. <laughs> I mean, no, but, you know, so like the the other thing that I was thinking about is like, you know, to practice diction, you do that thing where you like put a cork in your mouth or put like a rod in your mouth and you try to talk around that. I wondered if to practice spatial awareness and like depth perception, you could force yourself to live with just one eye for a short amount of time. So it's like... Strength training, but for your eyeballs. Kind of. You force yourself to like... And I realized, like, as I'm saying that, it sounds nuts and probably, like, doesn't work that way. Yeah, that does sound nuts. (laughs) But at at the very worst, if you have, like, a legit pirate eye patch from, like, a Halloween costume or something, you look cool. Well, here. So, that is actually a technique that they use to strengthen weak eyes in children. Um, my eye doctor has said that I should have done it as a kid. They just didn't catch it. But, um, it's really, it's your eyes solidify in the way that they're going to be. I mean, obviously, except for like prescriptions changing, but in that sense, around five or six, so you can do it after that, but it's less useful. It'll strengthen your eye a little bit, but it's not going to do it significantly. I mean... Obviously. Unless you're a child. Listen to your eye doctor if they tell you to, but. So it's like Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> useless, or not useless, but less useful after you're seven. <laughs> exactly. Now I'm just imagining like a child walking around in a pirate eye patch. Yar! I mean, it kind of sounds like that was Lauren's, or it would, it would have been Lauren's childhood walking around. We were this eye. close! Lauren For wishes to be a pirate like that. baby. Yeah. <laughs> Avast, it's me, baby Lauren. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. Those are our recommendations for the week. Uh, do we want to finally talk about episode 40? Yes. just waiting for any response there Uh, just seeing how long I could extend the silence before you did anything but I got bored we should move on it's time to discuss the episode Jimmy this week as I mentioned we are talking about season 1 episode 40 aftermath Uh, yeah this is a before we get into the episode, I'm going to say that this was my opinion of it, is it felt too short and too long simultaneously. Something about the yeah. pacing of this episode really bothered me, and I can't put my finger on what. But that said, yeah. it does have all of your shit in it. So how, how, how do we start here? There was a lot of information they gave us, but not a lot happened in this episode. There was like two things that happened. That's a great way of and- putting it. 
both things were full of uh, story. That's true. That's true. It was, yeah, they were full of story, I think is a great way to describe the episode. It starts with, well, okay, no, it, it starts with, let me start with the recap, if that's all right. Yeah. So I have some thoughts about the recap. So we do the previously on Yu-Gi-Oh! And it opens with Croquet's voice again, which they keep coming back to. I don't know why. I understand why, but it, I didn't understand why until this episode. Because we've heard Croquet do that same intro of like, and whoever wins this duel will be crowned the king of duelists. Uh, his like horrible... I do want to point out, it's the king of games. Oh, pardon Even me. though they've only ever played just the one game. <laughs> That's true. I guess King of Game singular. <laughs> King of Game. <laughs> that's like that's like a pickup artist book. <laughs> Mr. King e of presents game. King of Game. Uh but so yeah, so Croquet is doing his whole thing. Uh there's a a clip where Yugi's like, but if I win, you have to promise to release grandpa's soul and everyone else's soul. And do you promise, Pegasus? And Pegasus goes, yes. Yes. (laughs) And he does it. I can't do it. I'm holding the mic, but he holds his arms out so wide. He goes, yes. (laughs) Like he's like shrugging. Like, I guess I promised to release these souls. Do you promise Pegasus? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So so those stood out to me, but for the for the whole, I felt like it was a pretty decent recap of yeah. the last five episodes. Like I didn't honestly know that they would be able to do anywhere decent job on this because it's five episodes they're recapping. I mean, all you really need to know is that Yugi dueled Pegasus and won. Yeah, and that's that was kind of the funny part of the recap was it cuts pretty quickly from the duel to Joey being like he won. Yeah. Yeah! And then there's just one of those anime freeze frames, and it's like, yeah! <laughs> and it, like, slowly pans up the three of them cheering. Those are my favorite. Those are my favorite shots, because it's not the friendship symbol. <laughs> uh, I Yeah, during the intro music while it was playing, I caught myself wondering, I wonder how Kaiba's doing? Have you thought that recently? No, I've completely forgotten where he is. Well, that's the thing. So I was like... Watching the intro music. Oh, I wonder how Kaiba's doing. When are we going to see Kaiba again? And then I remembered, oh, yeah, his soul is in a playing card right now. Yeah, Pegasus has, has his soul. Been. Where'd his uh, where'd his body go? I'm trying to remember. It's in a dungeon. <laughs> oh, yeah, one of those dungeons down there. Yeah, it's in it's in a presumably deeper dungeon than where Mokuba was. Uh, so I, I was like, oh, yeah, he's probably not doing great, I guess. But, like, that's literally how long it's been since we've talked about Kaiba's soul. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, where's our, old, where's our old pal Kaiba? Um, who cares? Who cares? Uh, the episode then opens. Where do we want to start with the opening here? Because it, it kind of just jumps into the action from where the last episode left off. Yeah, it's just uh, Yugi and the gang uh, on the roof of the castle. And they're running towards Pegasus's tower, trying to find him. Yeah, and it's... Did you notice uh, this time... And I, I didn't notice anything, but you brought this up previously. Uh, wh- what is happening behind me? What was that? 
Lauren just waved. To... A... I saw it in my, in the image on the camera here. I didn't feel anything <laughs> behind me, but Lauren just waved this blanket past my head, she and like a, like blanket. she was a magician. Um, <laughs> did you notice uh, any changes in the castle this time? They showed the exterior of the castle. Um, I mean, it's not like a leading question or anything. I'm just curious. The castle kind of looks kind of the same and that it kind of changes every shot they like can't decide on the architecture still which i think is really interesting yeah they can't decide what kind of towers it has and like what the layout of the castle is and especially okay so so we open on like the the scooby gang running on the rooftop right of the the castle and they're trying to figure out where pegasus is and then this part especially plays into the weird architecture that they can't decide on because Taya stops and she sees this tower there and she suddenly remembers that she and Tristan Bakura were there before uh, they did that whole thing a few episodes back where like they saw Pegasus in the shadow game and like bad Kura wiped everyone's memories. Yeah. And there was that whole cult doing cult stuff. Yeah. I and think so, the castle is just like Hogwarts, and it just changes every uh, every time we see it, and you're not meant to care about it. I think so, too, because the thing that happens here is, like, Taya remembers being in the castle, or being in the in the tower, and then Tristan's like, yeah, I remember that, too, uh, just all of a sudden. And they go, but why did we forget? And Joey goes, there must be a spell on you, because remember, Joey now understands all magic. Oh, yeah, magic is real. Uh, and they, like, remember the whole Pegasus Bakura thing, uh... Yeah, and they mentioned that, um, there was that evil spirit that came out of Bakura, and Yugi has this great line where he says, Evil spirit? (laughs) Like, he had just completely forgotten magic and spirits exist until that exact moment. Right, yeah. And completely forgot that he, like, defeated... Uh, Bakura in like a shadow game right like he was there he knows, he knows exactly what's <laughs> happening spirit what is he like do you think he's purposely playing dumb there I don't know it's also entirely possible that he's just really dumb <laughs> that's true that's true it could go either way it could be like either Yugi is dumb or going back to my theory from before that Yugi is actually the villain <laughs> that, that's a uh, uh, that's a good point. He could be just uh, playing dumb and uh, kind of like trying to gaslight everyone into forgetting that, oh, yeah, he's he's two boys. He's got an evil spirit <laughs> in him. He's got two boys in him. Uh, oh, no, never mind. Um, and later this episode, three boys. Oh, Could yeah. A lot of boys. Oh, that, that makes me feel things. Uh, <laughs> so, but the, the thing that I wanted to point out here, just because we were talking about the castle i wanted to bring up the changing architecture again because when tristan is like oh yeah i remember and joey's like it must be a spell it cuts back to a shot of the castle and it shows a door on the tower where no door was previously and i'm pretty oh, sure yeah. there wasn't a door there in the last episode that we saw this tower in like six That's episodes right, ago because, because they, they had, had to, to freaking... scale the wall yeah so where'd this door come from it's a plot door my friend is the castle itself magic? Entirely possible. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess nothing's outside the realm of possibility here, especially like from what we learn a little bit later. But before, I mean, any questions could answer, we cut to Pegasus, right? Yep. Uh, and Pegasus is sort of like mourning his his loss to Yugi. He's he's saying things like it's all over, and how could I lose? He's basically and, talking to his painting of Cecilia, right? Of his of his uh, uh, late wife. Uh, there's a great, honestly, the only like worthwhile note that I have from here is there's this amazing I shot. I saw this too. It was so good. There's this shot where he's like bemoaning the loss to Yugi and it cuts to a picture of Yugi, but it's little Yugi sort of superimposed over a side profile of big Yugi and big Yugi is like giving the camera this side eye and he is wearing like insane amounts of eyeliner here yeah i think this is the first time we've seen him like from like a 90 degree angle profile he's just wearing ridiculous amounts of eyeliner all the time that's not just like a stylistic choice on his eyes he's wearing tons of eyeliner no it is it is a hundred percent like a like a stage magician like chris angel level amounts of makeup that this boy is wearing (laughs) to differentiate himself from the child from from the child that he is uh i this is a question that i i thought of in the moment and wish that i could have asked back when the show was like coming out originally and i don't know that either one of us are really going to be able to answer this like in any sort of meaningful way but is big yuki hot well, we've kind of talked about this before. I think he's supposed to be hotter than this, like, three-foot-tall child. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's supposed to be hotter than little Yugi, but is he is he hot, though? By what standards? I don't really know. <laughs> by what standards is anybody hot? Like, okay, so uh, how about by these standards? So uh, what year did this episode come out? This was, like, uh, like 2000... Two thousand eight. Let me find out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some, I'm gonna do some googling here. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's supposed to. Two thousand one. Yeah, I'd say he's pretty designed to look attractive, to be an attractive anime character. He's super skinny, but also kind of muscular, and he's wearing a shit ton of hot topic belts. So. Uh, so I, I just did a Google search for boy bands that were popular in 2001. Uh, and we've got Menudo, we've got New Edition, New Kids on the Block, Take his, That, Insane, Westlife, uh, Jonas Brothers. They weren't around in 2001. Jonas Brothers? Jonas Brothers were around in 2001. Oh, they were children. This is not a good comparison. Uh, let's go, let's go with Insync. Yugi's hair is just in sync frosted tips. Yeah, that's okay. That's a good comparison. All right. Uh, so, Lauren, can I get your help on something? Is that okay? Do you want to be a part of this? Okay. <laughs> You're asking you to, your I need girlfriend you if this anime character is hot. Yeah, I need you to come here and answer a question for me. Um, hang on. <laughs> Hi, Lauren. Uh, Lauren's chewing some cereal. <laughs> Great audio. <laughs> 
It's good. It's just really got the ASMR going. <laughs> um, okay, let's. What you wanted, right? Yeah, yeah. This is good. This is really great audio here. Um, I want to find like a good picture, but I don't know that one exists. Uh, okay, so uh, we have Yugi. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is big Yugi. This is uh, the Pharaoh. Uh, and I want to know if, like, place yourself in 2001, right? We would have been, like, 10, 11, you know? Uh, is Yugi hotter than anyone in sync? <laughs> I, I don't know how to qualify which one's the hottest one. I think it's Lance Bass. That's, like, me personally. No, nope. there we go. It might be JT. It might be the other one whose name I don't know. I never really thought that any of the guys in NSYNC were that hot. Is there a, um, is there a better boy band for this? Like, cause I, cause I want to, what I'm trying to find out here, what I want to know is empirically mm-hmm. is big Yugi hot. <laughs> Yes. There we have it, folks. <laughs> wow. Uh, a stunning revelation. Big Yugi is hotter than all the members of NSYNC. Now and forever. And in the past. And in all dimensions. Is that the answer you wanted? <laughs> That's the answer I deserved, I think. Jimmy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where does the episode go from here? I'm lost. I don't know. You completely derailed it. Okay, I'm um, sorry. Uh, oh, Pegasus is... Yeah, we're talking about Pegasus. Yeah. He starts monologuing about how he's duty-bound to fulfill his pledge because he's a man of his word, and he releases the three souls. He does, and he... You'd think there'd be more fanfare to this, but he just does it. And the cards glow, and we get three shots of uh, Bakura and Mokuba and... not, Not Bakura, Kaiba. Kaiba, Mokuba, yes. and Grandpa, and then their bodies just start twitching because I guess that's what happens when your soul goes back into your body. <laughs> I mean, it's never it happened pins to me before, and needles. right? I wouldn't know. Ooh, yeah. Oh, like they've just been lying still. Mokuba's in a weird position, like slumped over a railing. Yeah, it's like waking up with a really weird crick in your neck on a car trip. Yeah. We did learn some important information here, though. Uh, even though there wasn't the fanfare that I think either of us wanted, we did learn that Grandpa is in a hospital. <laughs> yeah, they didn't just leave him lying on the floor. Good job, everybody. I genuinely could not remember because that was Check's Watch 39 episodes ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, the souls are, are released. So we have yep. uh, the Kaiba brothers are back. Uh, Grandpa is is back, and that's it. That's the end of this arc, everyone. Souls are back. <laughs> there we it is. It. Yu-Gi-Oh is now complete. Uh, the the Yugi has been owed. That's nothing. Uh, so yeah, so he he frees the souls, and then he's talking to the painting of Cecilia. Monologuing uh, again. Yeah, it's there's a talking. lot of Pegasus monologuing this episode. And yeah. for the first time, I think I wasn't super excited about it. A lot of it in this episode I've noticed, especially later on was ostensibly 
Pegasus talking to Cecilia, but it's clearly Pegasus just explaining himself to the audience. Yeah, I think I think if anything, Cecilia is kind of the audience surrogate character here. Yeah, she's just he's just telling her all the shit she would already know. Right. Yeah. So it's really it's really just for our benefit. Um, but I'm trying to figure out where there, the gist there, of it is. Yeah. So there are a couple of points. the The reason I'm I'm pausing here is there are a couple of points where like it's Pegasus talking, and then the Scooby gang shows up and then it's Pegasus talking again, but he's not there. And then it's Pegasus talking, but it's his diary. There's a lot of that this episode, but the point of this one is uh, the reason he did all this was to get all the millennium items so he could uh, bring Cecilia back to life, which is apparently uh, the power of all the millennium items. Once you get them, got to catch them all. Got to catch them all. (laughs) Uh, and as he describes that Millennium puzzle, I choose you He just holds out the millennium puzzle And like the pharaoh comes out, pharaoh <laughs> I thought you were going to say He throws the millennium puzzle Which I feel like would be a great like Just weapon in this case It's pointy, it's heavy Yeah, we haven't seen him Club people with it yet I think it would be pretty good I mean, everyone else is cheating at duels That'd be a perfectly legitimate way to get away with something Yeah uh, but so as, as Pegasus is sort of done explaining like that he wanted to try and restore Cecilia's body and soul with the power of all the millennium items, uh, bum, 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 Bakura shows up. And How'd he get is... up here? Who knows? He just kind of yeah. teleports. He bamps his way up there. Yeah. There's this shot of Pegasus and then it kind of the colors invert for a second and then mm-hmm. Bakura is suddenly behind him in the room. I yeah yeah, I'm not really sure how to feel about this. I I feel like if it were the version of this episode that like you and I would have written, he scales up the wall like the first time they entered the tower. <laughs> like he's just on the opposite side of the tower from like where Yugi and the gang are and that's why they don't see him enter or exit. Yeah, because they're looking at the only apparent entrance to this place. Yeah, there's It'd be there's a lot more in. frightening. I, I think he just teleports, but I do like the idea of him on the other side. And instead of just taking like half an hour to scale the wall, he just skitters up it like an animal. Ugh. <laughs> like, uh, like, um, oh, what's that, what was that movie? Uh, World War Z. Oh yeah, fast zombies that just like hurdle themselves at the wall and like try to clamber up. Uh, yeah, that's that's I think what I'm gonna go with. That's my head cannon. Is he he Spider Man's up that wall? (laughs) He fast head crab zombies from Half Life Two. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. Yep. There it is. There it is. Uh, Because that is accurate and terrifying. Um. Bakura shows up and he challenges Pegasus to a shadow duel uh, for the Millennium Eye. Yeah, he basically challenges him to a game and then he like holds up a deck and he starts shuffling it. But I just want to point out that his shuffling technique is crap. He's just like taking big chunks out of the middle and putting them on top of the deck each time. So the... Like, the order of the cards doesn't really change. 
They're just it, moved around. It's like if you're learning to be a close-up magician and you're like maybe two weeks into it, like that's your that's your shuffle method uh, to make it sort of look like you're shuffling but not actually do anything. And he he wagers in the in the game. He wagers his Millennium Ring to try and like tempt Pegasus to to duel him because he well Bakura wants all the Millennium puzzle uh, the Millennium items, and he goes well Pegasus if you beat me you'll be one step closer to getting all the Millennium items. So, like, you won't really have lost anything after losing to Yugi. Yeah, I heard you monologuing. You can have this Millennium <laughs> item if you beat me. Which is interesting to me. I mean, I guess because Bakura has a Millennium item, he would, like, know kind of what's going on anyway. But, like, all the monologuing that Pegasus was doing was internal in that five-episode arc. Yeah. So maybe he, he did, just... maybe he didn't. Who knows? Maybe he was just speaking out loud this uh, at the top of the tower, talking to the the painting. That would not surprise me at all. But yeah, no. So he so he's shuffling the deck and he starts playing cards down on uh, the, sort of the, there's like a side table there between Bakura and Pegasus. Desk. And he does a uh, a pattern. He he lays down five cards in a pattern that I I, I recognized actually because. Uh, Lauren has tarot cards here and it's done like tarot readings and stuff for friends. So I recognize that as a fairly traditional tarot spread. But he's but doing with it his... with dual monsters cards. Right. Which is not how it works. I don't think that's how it works. I mean, these are cards that are supposedly infused with actual magic of these ancient monsters. I guess. But and I like, don't think that's how it works. I mean, like, there's magic and there's magic, right? Like, yeah. he's done a lot of summoning here, but this is something, this is something different. Can you imagine if this exact scene was happening, but instead of uh, dual monsters, they had Pokemon cards, and he was, <laughs> and Bakur just looks looks down at the cards and they're like, ah, the Jigglypuff. <laughs> you uh, were once yes. a great artist, were you not? You like to sing. <laughs> I. I I see the uh, in your past the love disc, but upside down. <laughs> uh, no, so the so he's like, yeah, we're gonna do the. Uh, how does he say this? He's like, your Millennium Eye allows you to read people's minds, but my Millennium Ring allows me to see much deeper. Yeah, and he sees people's it's souls. Bullshit. It's just yeah, it's all it's all. That's faff. Yeah. Uh, but he plays, he, he reveals the first card and he goes for your past. Uh, it's the happy lover, which is a dual monsters monster, uh, but upside down. Mm-hmm. So he's like, ah, yes, you have found true love and all these things, but it's upside down. So that means you've also lost true love and uh, ha- must have. It means you're bad at shuffling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's his past. And so then mm-hmm. he goes, well, we'll find out more about your present. So he reveals the second card and it's the mask of darkness reflecting, uh, Pegasus masking his true objectives and being a trickster and all these things. And then Pegasus is like, all right, I get it. Duel me. <laughs> I'm done here. And he goes, no, no, no. We're going to learn about your future. 
uh, and he's the, he reveals the third card, which is Doma, the Angel of Silence, predicting uh, Pegasus's future. And Bakura goes, which is appropriate for your immediate future, because now I will silence you forever. Mwahahaha. <laughs> uh, Tyler, do you actually have a uh, Yu-Gi-Oh deck? No. Oh, okay. I was going to ask if you could uh, have Lauren do a tarot reading within a Yu-Gi-Oh deck and see what happens. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, I should Obviously that. nothing, but it would be funny. No, that would be that would be really uh that would be kind of unique. There's a there's a um a deck of cards you can get for Dungeons and Dragons now for the like Curse of Strahd campaign called a mm. Taraka deck and it's like D&D themed tarot. Which I feel like might be kind of similar, maybe, cuz it's got like monsters and shit on it, but do you use it in game to like yeah, it's like mechanically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the characters in Curse of Strahd is a fortune teller. So like as the DM, you essentially do a tarot reading for each session to like, and that changes how the session goes. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's the closest that we would have here. Uh, but before, okay. So, so a thing happens at the yes. end of this fake tarot reading. Uh but before we get into that, Jimmy, he laid down five cards. Yeah. We only see three of them. What were the other cards for? What were the other cards for? I don't know. Lauren, can I bother you one more time? You you would know about this. I've been bothering you this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the uh, episode where we just bother Lauren. So in this episode, which you have not watched, mm-hmm. uh, one of the characters does a tarot reading. Is it actually tarot or is it with Yu-Gi-Oh? It's no. with Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you're so enthused. Uh, and he does that. It's five cards in the cross. What is that called? Is that the Celtic cross? Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, but he only reveals the three across as like a past, present, future thing. What would the other two cards be in that case? So you did so you did past, present, future from right to left, mm-hmm. and it's right yeah, it's it was weird. So it's from right to left, and then there's a, a card on top and a card on bottom that we don't see. So a Celtic cross spread. I don't know if he said Celtic cross no, or not. That's that's just what it looked like to me. I didn't know if that was the right thing or not. Oh, okay, because um, Celtic cross is ten cards. Um, okay, so definitely not that. that. Middle card would be crossing another card. Um, yeah, past, present, future is is pretty typical spread, and I think it can kind of be whatever you want. Like it is clearly whatever he wants it to be. But sometimes it can be like a question and an advice. Like if you're asking what the answer to the question is, and then advice on the top, or I've seen it be like. Um, like more grounded pursuits and more like intellectual pursuits or I'm not familiar with just a five card spread necessarily. Okay. All right. So it's two strikes against Bakura doing a bad job there, bud. I mean, well, clearly is neither is Bakura. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Present and future, uh, reason at the bottom and potential at the top. Hmm. I mean, I guess without seeing what the cards were, it's yeah. going to be hard to tell. And also, 
you should say that at the outset. <laughs> like that should be established before you start pulling cards. I mean, what's really the only thing that's established at the outset is like I have magical powers and I'm going to use them now before I kick your ass. What's the purpose of the Garish bird? What's he trying to literally, it's literally just an intimidation tactic. But he's like He's like monologuing to Pegasus about like how he has magical powers and uh, like his magical powers let him like peer into the heart of man or whatever. And he's like laying out cards and he's like, I'm going to do a reading before I beat you in the shadow game. Oh, that's odd. Yes. So what we've established is that you can't just use Yu-Gi-Oh cards to tell the future. That's bullshit. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All uh, right. But then the action happens. Yes, the shadow I game. I can't unsee this scene, Jimmy. Sorry, I just saw a very cute picture of Pepper. Uh, Every picture of Pepper is a very cute picture of It's Pepper. the best. So as soon as Bakura is done, I guess, with the reading, like as soon as he gives up on the reading, he goes, and now, <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't say it with a straight face, this match will be played on the landscape of our minds. And then beams shoot out. Yeah. It, they... I was expecting, like, a shadow game, you know, a card duel, which we have seen freaking every time previously. Anyone, anytime anyone mentions the shadow realm or shadow games or anything. But then these guys just shoot red and blue laser beams out of their Millennium items at each other. Yeah, so, like, this, what was it, like, a blue beam coming out of Pegasus's eye and then a red beam coming out of the Millennium Ring? Yeah, it's exactly like that generic... Uh, anime or cartoon thing where it's like two opposing beams of energy and then like the center moves back and forth. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's everything. like uh, it's like the Harry Potter where uh, where uh, yep. uh, the beams of light when he's fighting Voldemort in the and um, the graveyard and the the vampire dies. What's his name? Edward dies. What? Hashtag Team Jacob. That's. Is is that ha- is that what happens in Twilight? No, it's the same actor. Oh, yes, <laughs> it's Robert Robert Pattinson. Spoilers, I guess, for Harry Potter. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know what's happening this episode, Jimmy. Help me. They have a, a pew pew laser fight, and they Pegasus do. loses this energy beam joust. It. They make noises while it's happening, which make me really uncomfortable. Like <laughs> they're just grunting with the effort. <laughs> have you seen Have you seen the Sylvester Stallone movie Demolition Man? I have not. So Demolition Man. I'm a little Man, bothered by your note here on it. <laughs> yeah, I had to make a note of this because Demolition Man. Okay, Demolition Man is a, is a is a really good sci fi film uh, that I recommend to anybody who's a fan of the genre because. It's about a, uh, a essentially a supervillain played by Wesley Snipes and a super cop played by Sylvester Stallone. And super cop, meet the cop who can't be right. stopped. 
And so Stallone's character catches Snipes' character, and they put they they cryogenically freeze Wesley Snipes' character, and they decide that the only way to really ensure that like he won't eventually go free and like cause some shit is to also cryogenically freeze the only person who can stop him, and that is Sylvester Stallone's character. So it opens on Stallone's character getting unfrozen, like a hundred years in the future. And, uh, it's a a big portion of the first half of the movie is him, like learning about what the world is like in the future. And it's lots of funny things like, Oh, the only restaurant left is Taco Bell, uh, and things like that. But he meets, Oh, and I'm going to get this wrong because I genuinely cannot tell, uh, these people apart for some reason it's Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock. Lauren and I have had many conversations about this where I just cannot tell them apart. Uh, it's Sandra Bullock. <laughs> uh, so Sandra Bullock is like showing him around and they, they hit it off, right? There's a chemistry, you know, and Sylvester Stallone being from like our present basically uh-huh. is like making the move, you know, and, and he's, he's trying to, sort of without exactly saying it, ask if she wants to hook up. And she's like, oh, hell yeah, let me get the headsets. And she's like super into it. And he goes, headset, what? And she goes, yeah, put this on. And she puts like a VR helmet on him. And it's just like brief, like flashes of like color and a a woman moaning. And she's like, that's how we have sex now. That's that's what the future is. Well, and he yep. goes, and he goes, no, no. Uh-uh. Uh, and that's like a that's like a C plot in the movie is he has to like teach the people of the future what sex is. Well, yes, uh, that's basically what happens in this scene. That's kind of what happens here. They have the weird colors and like grunting, and then it's over. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so apparently Pegasus was so fatigued by his shadow duel with Yugi that Bakura was able to overpower him and, uh, yep, (laughs) it's exactly as bad as it sounds. Uh, and yeah, so Bakura is like, ah, you're an amateur compared to me who has lived thousands of years. Yeah. And Pegasus is like, you've lived for centuries and like. Why are you surprised, Pegasus? You're literally, like, dealing with spirits on a regular basis. You literally just lost a duel to a guy who had a 5,000-year-old spirit possessing his body. Yeah, it amazes me the kind of selective memory that people have in this show. A spirit? What? How is this possible? Five minutes earlier. Mind shuffle. (laughs) Yeah. Uh... Yeah, so so that happens. Uh, what does Bakura say here? He, yeah, he's basically Pegasus saying can... he is going to get all the Millennium items and use them to conquer the world. Uh, he says, you've lost the game. I just lost the game. And so has our audience. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so then it cuts to... Uh, or no, it fades to black on Bakura like reaching for Pegasus's face. I want to mention this shot real quick because it's yeah. so awkward. 
it's a shot from between Bakura's legs looking at Pegasus, who's like shocked and appalled and looking up at him. Yeah. And then we, it's... like, out of focus, we see uh, Bakura's skinny little butt, like, fall into shot <laughs> and block us. <laughs> and then he just, like, reaches out for Pegasus's eye. And then he says, right. no! And then we fade to black. Then we fade to black and go to commercial. I wonder what kind of commercial would have played just after that shot. Because that's, like... That shot evokes a lot of emotion, and I'm just picturing it going from that to, like, does this ever happen to you? And it's, like, somebody fumbling with a phone while making nachos. What is it? I don't know. I, I, sent just you a, I, just I took a screenshot beep. of this scene. Oh, God, yeah. It's, like... Okay, if you were to send me... if you If you were to be on some like i don't know some video platform right like youtube or something and you saw a video that only had this as its thumbnail and and for the for the listeners at home the shot that i'm referring to is is uh in the foreground are bakura's legs at like a knee height and in between the legs, you see a sweaty, exhausted Pegasus <laughs> sitting on the ground, looking up at, at Bakura with just sort of a sort of a blatant desperation in his eye. It's the worst. And uh, yeah, I would assume this is for something inappropriate, Jimmy. Right. This no, nothing here says this is a wholesome television is- show for children. I was watching this show because four kids was supposed to edit out all the inappropriate stuff, and we get a shot like this. Well, these grown men are shooting beams at each other. <laughs> That's what the kids are calling it these days. <laughs> the kids are calling it shooting beams. Uh, <laughs> so, when we come back from the commercial break, Yugi and the gang uh, heard the scream... They run to the tower and they get to the door that mysteriously appeared uh, just as guards are carrying Pegasus like down the stairs and out of the, the tower. It's it's Croquet and a couple of henchmen. Yeah, great job doing your security jobs there, guys. Your boss Yeah, where just... the fuck were these guys? <laughs> yeah, they should be like doing their jobs. They're the security. So how'd this magic teenager get up there and pull their boss's eye out of its socket? Right. Come on, guys. Uh, but so Yugi asks Croquet what's going on, and Croquet is like, oh, it's, it's, uh, what does he say? None of your concern. He is suddenly taken ill. Yeah. And Yugi, like, begs them about, uh, the souls. He's like, he promised me that he would return the souls. What about my souls? And just like the <laughs> whiniest. my souls. <laughs> it's just the whiniest voice I've heard Yugi use. And he's like, but he promised. Speaking, speaking of I commercials, want my souls. They could have, speaking of commercials, they could have cut to. They're my souls, and I want them now. Uh, okay. So earlier, you were, the beginning of this episode, I complained about using Croquet's voice for the intro again. Yes. For the previously on, here is the reason that they have been cutting back to Croquet's voice every time, is they want to remind you what Croquet sounds like because the next line is the reason that this voice actor got hired for this part. Because <laughs> Yugi is like whining about his souls. He just won't shut up about the goddamn souls. 
And croquet, okay. I want my grandpa's soul back. And croquet goes, not my department. <laughs> Which is like, how do you deliver that line in any other voice? <laughs> do I look like a man who can give souls? Get out of here, kid. <laughs> it's just so, it's so simple, but like, I'm just picturing like the audition room, right? And they just give you one line to read. And it's not my department. It's not my department. Hired. <laughs> and then they just leave with Pegasus's leave. unconscious body. Yeah, I guess Yugi is just like okay with that answer. Uh, they, the gang is they, like, who or what could have done that to him? Which is, yeah. I thought was kind of ominous. And they, they go up into the room and they're like looking around. Uh, Joey and Tristan like immediately have the hots for the painting of Cecilia, which I thought was weird. Yeah. Did you get that vibe? It's like the first thing they see and they start immediately talking about uh, how attractive she is. And uh, yeah, they just like won't stop staring at this painting. And then Taya finds Boy, Pegasus' dead wife is hot. <laughs> Taya finds a diary and starts flipping through it, uh, and a dual monsters card falls out, which Yugi then picks up and sees that it has the same painting of Cecilia on it. Yeah, he like literally holds it up in the foreground, and in the background it like the uh, crossfades so we can see the painting, and then back to the card to just to make it real obvious that oh yeah, it's that girl. And they keep being like. Everything's about this lady. She must have been real important. I wonder who she is. Huh. Pegasus really liked this lady. Who's this lady? (laughs) And like, do they not put two and two together that they were married? I don't know. Do do they think like Pegasus is gay so he couldn't possibly be? (laughs) Let's be fair. That's an entirely uh, sensible uh, position to take away regarding Pegasus. Yeah. Okay. That. Okay. Sure. 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 Like, I'm not. I'm not here to like. You know, put any assumptions on Pegasus's preferences. But like, how? How is it that they have spent so much time with a person, and then discover, rediscover? Yeah, they already discovered this once. And the painting was also in the kitchen where they were having that meal like yeah. twelve episodes ago. He's got paintings of her all over the dang castle. How are they just now like, oh, I wonder who this is. <laughs> I don't know. They're not good at this. It's a selective memory thing, man. Uh, maybe this is the <laughs> this is the backfire for their uh, sudden realization of what magic is and does. They just forget everything else that's happened. Right. Uh, so Taya starts reading the diary out loud and reveals that Pegasus was planning to he uses the word restore Cecilia yeah using the power of the millennium items also I want to point out this is one of the few times we get to see full body shots of the entire group and Yugi clearly comes up to like Taya's waist oh yeah huh he's like two-thirds as short as everyone else it's he's such a tiny boy it, and it's so it's it's so needless. Too. <laughs> There's no real reason to do that to him. Like, are they implying? 
Everyone else implying? has hit their growth spurts, and Yugi yeah. is the only one who hasn't hit puberty yet. Yeah, he's that's just that's tiny. Kind of, right? Is he? Do you think they're implying that he's younger too, or no? He's the same I mean, age because like kind he of and all in the same friends. grade. Well, that, so that's what I'm wondering is, is is it implying that, like, oh, he's the smart kid and skipped a grade or something? Oh, maybe. I think he's just short. <laughs> Lauren, Lauren just whispered. No, this will help prove my point. Lauren just whispered to me. Lauren reminded me that she skipped a grade. I forget which grade. Sixth grade. Lauren, fifth. Lauren skipped fifth grade. And Lauren is quite short. That's true. That's true. So maybe that helps prove my point. I don't know. That's two uh, instances, one real life and one cartoon, proving beyond a doubt that if you skip a grade, you're going to be short. There we go. That's <laughs> Yes, that's the point we're proving here. All your here. growth exactly. went into your brain. <laughs> uh, so as Tristan, or uh, as Taya, sorry, is reading the diary, it does that thing where it crossfades from her voice reading it to Pegasus' voice reading it. You know, sort of that, like, classic movie trope of when somebody is reading somebody else's diary or letter or whatever. Yeah. And as that happens, we fade to the shot of the the card with Cecilia's painting just, like, floating in a void. And there's, like, thousands of the same card all kind of floating around. I don't really know what purpose that served. Yeah, it looked, like just a, a time. it looked like a screensaver from, like, the 90s. That would actually be a... a Pretty great screensaver. A Yu-Gi-Oh screensaver that just shows all the different cards. Yeah, just like floating around in space. That'd be pretty good. That'd be pretty good. Man, uh, you remember when any like movie or whatever came out and you'd go to their website and they would have made a screensaver for you to download? Oh, yeah. I miss those days. I really miss... My favorite screensaver was the one that was like a maze... Oh, the this? Windows ninety five one with the brick yeah. walls. Yeah, and it was like a, it was like a Doom style three D maze, and if you left it alone, it would walk through the maze on its own. But you could there was like a button that you could hit to like do it yourself to like interact with the the game. I used to play that a lot. Sometimes I would I would wait for the screensaver to happen just so I could play that game. Oh, <laughs> uh, I went. I was on a I was a Mac kid. So we had Ooh, fancy. The, um, the After Dark suite. I don't know if you've ever heard of the After Dark module of screensavers. It was like 30 different screensavers you could get for your computer. And my favorite was, um, the, well, my first favorite was the infamous Flying Toasters that we all know yeah, I was going to say, all right, all right. But my second favorite was a game called um shit what was it called um lunatic fringe have you heard of lunatic fringe what no what is this? lunatic fringe was this amazing screensaver game where um you controlled this little spaceship and it was like a top-down uh little shooter where you could fly your spaceship around and shoot all these little baddies that were coming after you and it was just infinitely scrolling in all directions so you would go long enough in one direction you'd loop around but you would fly around in the high score trying to get high scores and like blowing getting little power-ups and shooting asteroids and stuff and it was really fun 
I've never heard of this. I actually somehow someone has gone on and found like the original module for it and made an emulator for it for Mac. Ooh. So, it, I mean, it's not a screensaver anymore, but it's a self-contained little module. So if you want to play Lunatic Fringe, uh, I actually have it here on my computer. What's the name of it? <laughs> That'll be my third recommendation this week. This reminds me of uh, another thing that I saw recently. Did you ever play Chex Quest? Yes. I love Chex you know, Quest. You could get it in like a floppy disk in a box of Chex. Uh, they're somebody is remaking Chex Quest using uh, the latest version of the Unreal Engine. Oh damn! So it's so it's going to be using the I think the same basic engine as the new Doom game, uh, which the original Chex Quest was just a straight Doom port. Yeah, like they just reskinned Doom, Doom, but you were a little serial spaceman. Right, and they're remaking it using like updated 3d graphics and the the new unreal engine uh to i guess bring Chex quest to a new generation uh but they're like releasing it for free with general mills and everything that's crazy yeah so they have the full blessing yeah so far as i know yeah yeah, yeah. from all the stuff that i've seen online um there was a trailer that was released like two weeks ago i think is how i know i think i saw it yeah what were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about uh, those cards that were flying by. Anyway, right. Uh, if you so that play doesn't Lunatic, matter. If you have a oh, Mac yeah, go ahead. and you want to uh-huh. play Lunatic Fringe, uh, Google Fringe Player Two, and you can uh, just play it on your Mac right now. It's good. I'm gonna stop this podcast and go do that right now. No. Uh, the reason that the Cecilia card floating screensaver does not matter is because it almost immediately fades away from that to a flashback of Pegasus recounting the first time that he met Cecilia. Yes. When they were, what, like eight, nine? They were young children. It cuts to um, Pegasus as a very young child, and he apparently comes from old money because this is at his father's like garden party. Yeah, it's like a huge shindig. It's like um, it's like a I can't think of a like movie a f- to really compare it to. It's like a French mansion type of building that we see in the background. Yeah, and it's like a it's like a Gatsby sized. It's like a Great Gatsby style party. Yeah, it's huge. There's just tons of people, uh, but we we sort of the camera moves to the crowd and we see tiny baby Pegasus. Which is very cute. Because he's basically the exact same. Except tiny. If you shrunk him. (laughs) His hair's a little shorter, I guess. But it's still the same kind of like off-white sort of grayish pink silver. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, And he has two eyes. Yes. He has both his eyes still. And he's sort of recounting like, you know, we met when we were young and we were immediately in love and uh she inspired him to become a painter uh they got married and then they play that same shot that they had a few episodes back where they're like in the church and she gets swallowed up by a by a rose like a giant rose kind of appears and then eats her up and then everything sort of dissolves yeah she dissolves Um, into a bunch of rose petals 
which I I thought was really cool shot, and I really wanted that to be something like less abstract, if that makes sense. Like mm. I was really hoping that we would see that be sort of a result of Pegasus dabbling in magic or something. But oh, she, no, it's she kinda... literally get turned gets turned into a flower. Yeah, right. Like I was kind of hoping that it was something along those lines, but no. So that's sort of a just a metaphor. So it's revealed that she passed away of some kind of terminal illness that he doesn't go into detail on. Um, then he talks about how like after that he couldn't paint anymore, so he decided to try and find a way to contact Cecilia from beyond the grave. He just, you know, go, goes as you do. Right from painting straight into necromancy. Putting right. romance in necromance. That's the... That, that's the... Uh, that's the <laughs> fuck you. God damn it. <laughs> I've broken Tyler. Uh, it's the sixth stage of grief, you know, is necromancy. <laughs> So, yeah, so he decides uh, if he can't put his energy into something creative, he is going to put his energy into something that is bullshit. Into black magic. And decides to travel the world studying the dark arts. Uh, His search brings him to Egypt, where he runs into... I want to point out uh, how ridiculous his outfit is in this whole scene. Because we see him in Egypt. Oh, his safari outfit? Yeah. Uh, and he's wearing a cowboy hat with a square brim. Did you notice yep, this? I did. Yeah, it's like it's not even a cowboy hat, really. It's no. it's like it's like if you took like the man in the yellow hat from Curious George. It's that hat, but yeah. squared. It's one of those like almost flat but round like Dixie hats, mm-hmm. but like a super wide and square brim. For just no reason. It's a I don't look. know why it's square. Why is anything square, Jimmy? That's a good question. <laughs> so he's in uh, Egypt, that far off and mysterious land of Egypt. You know, where there's magic. Where there's magic. and Specifically all, the Great Pyramids, I And all say. the Great Pyramids, which are just out in the middle of the desert and not within a viewing distance of a friggin' pizza hut. Have you seen that picture? No. Oh, there's a great picture online of the Great Pyramids of Egypt, but in the foreground, there's a pane of glass with Pizza Hut's logo. Oh, hell yeah. So you can just go and to a Pizza Hut in Egypt and look at the pyramids now. I They're mean, not in the middle to... of the desert. They're like completely surrounded on all sides by city. To be fair, that would be the one thing keeping me from seeing the Great Pyramids is my proximity to a Pizza Hut at any given time. <laughs> Man, I could really go for a pizza right now, but I also want to look at the pyramids. Right. How can I solve this dilemma? (gasps) (laughs) Wait a minute. Uh, So he's in Egypt. And just walking around this, like, 1930s sort of bazaar. Yeah, and it it doesn't appear that he's there with any real, like, purpose. No, he's just kind of walking around. He's just kind of there. Like, he's like, well, they've got the pyramids. Yeah. Something magical's got to be Egypt, huh? They used to believe in an afterlife. Maybe I'll find something around here. It's very, like, eat, pray, love in a way of, like, oh, I've heard this stereotype about a place. Let me (laughs) go there and see what happens. 
And then the stereotype proves true because he runs into this dude wearing a turban and a giant gold necklace who's like his his like a dead stare meets him in the eyes and he, he what does he say he's no, like his cowboy hat blows off and oh, that's right. the guy picks it up and uh somehow his cowboy hat suddenly becomes a circle it doesn't have any edges whatsoever and it, oh i didn't notice this it's important what? because it rolls on the ground away from pegasus oh right yeah yeah yeah. well it's a it's a magical hat that's sort of his first foray into into magic (laughs) uh but it gets picked up by that guy right and And uh, i've seen this guy before well we've all seen him before yeah in in the uh in the original series he shows up and he shows up in the intro of every episode we see this character yeah, and oh, just this um, Egyptian dude with wearing a turban and like big ostentatious like earrings, and he's like wrapped in uh, I don't know what you call it, just like a cloak. Yeah, yeah, like sort of a typical like if you think like, of any screenshot from the movie Dune. Yeah, he kind of looks like a uh, like he'd be in Dune, or in any like old movie where they have to show that they're in Egypt so they just have a bunch of guys in turbans and cloaks right turbans and and, and formless cloaks oh you know because they live in the desert right that's how that works there they don't wear normal clothes uh and I didn't write down what he says to Pegasus but he essentially is like he he tells Pegasus his whole life story like Pegasus's whole life story he's like you experience loss you are searching for magic you want to revive someone. You um, want yeah. to find great power. Uh, and then he basically warns him to leave or like trying to fix his heartbreak will lead to even greater heartbreak, I think, is something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, it's something like that. He, he's essentially like warning him that with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Uh, and then just like fucks off. Yeah. Right? Like he, <laughs> he, he just like disappears off. down an alley. Uh, and so Pegasus follows him and like runs after him at first and he follows him all the way to a hidden crypt. Yeah. Those, that famous thing that Egypt is known for. Just, you go into any random, uh, square building in Egypt that's made out of dirt and you walk down this like ancient stone staircase they have inside and suddenly there's a massive, ancient crypt just there in the middle of the in in this basement in the middle of the city and we don't see what building he like walks into to get into the basement so i'm going to choose to believe that it's a pizza hut (laughs) he walks into the basement of pizza hut and there is a hidden crypt there and in the hidden crypt it's important to note that if you go into a basement of a pizza hut you get an ancient crypt if you go into the basement of a mcdonald's you get a yerk spawning pool a what? Sorry, Animorphs reference. Oh. <laughs> if you read Animorphs, uh, to get to the secret headquarters of the alien Yurk base, you go into this McDonald's and you ask for a happy meal with extra happy. And then the aliens controlling people can go in there and the aliens uh, come out of the people's heads where they've been controlling their brains and just kind of splash around in the pool and that's how they feed. That also sounds like a great way to end up on an FBI watch list. 
Yeah. Um, please don't. Anyone listening to this, please please don't do that. Please, if you're gonna order a Happy Meal, just order a Happy Meal. Yeah. Just, don't be weird. Don't be weird. Yurks aren't real. They're from a book. Uh, so in the hidden crypt, the stranger is there. Was there anyone else there? I forget. It was just him, right? Yeah. Or two two guards, I think, come in after Pegasus a little yeah. bit later. But I, I think it's just this dude. And in front of the dude is this, like, carving of a sort of ancient Egypt-looking hieroglyphic dude. It's like the top of a sarcophagus, except just like a right. statue. And it has these indentations Mm -hmm. in it where there are the Millennium items. Well, most of them. It's missing two. Yeah, which two is it missing? I'm forgetting. Uh, Is it the puzzle? One of them is the puzzle, and I think it's the key that he has. Right. Yeah, it's it's the same shape as the item that this random dude is wearing, which we'll learn more about later. Uh, And... He like sees that Pegasus followed him, and he he reveals that he is what's called a guardian of the Millennium Items, and he says once this sacred place is discovered, the only way to leave is to be chosen. It must be your destiny. Yeah, uh, great job guarding the Millennium Items, dude. You're missing two of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so, huh? I mean, may- maybe maybe someone else was chosen. You know, you don't know. We're not here to judge. Uh, we're not, you know, here to do a quality review of his job. I think they were just stolen because the Millennium Puzzle didn't do anything until it was solved. Right, yeah, that's true. Maybe he didn't have it to begin with. So great job guarding these ancient Millennium items. <laughs> uh, it's in the literal hands of a child. Right. That's how good well, you are at your job. Not, a, not at this point. This is probably before Yugi was born. That this is probably, what, like 20 years ago or something? If not more, yeah. So this is in Grandpa's hands by this point. Yeah. It's a good job keeping it out of the hands of that old man. <laughs> uh, but so uh, he, he's telling all this to Pegasus, and uh, he is saying that you know the only way to leave is to be chosen, it has to be your destiny. The way he says it must be your destiny is like, it must be your destiny to leave if you're going to leave. Yeah. Does that make sense? Otherwise, the Millennium Items will find you unworthy and just kind of drive you insane and torture you a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> just a little bit of torture. Yeah. Uh, just a few pokes with the cattle prod. He grabs the Millennium Eye uh, off the, the sarcophagus-looking thing. And holds it up to Pegasus's head. Pegasus is like kneeling now. Yeah, he's being uh, restrained by these two random Egyptian guards that grabbed him. Yeah, they like apparently couldn't keep Pegasus out, but are here now because it pleases them. Uh, and he holds the, the eye up to Pegasus so that it can test him. Uh, and Did he, he says, just pick a Millennium item at random? That was my question. Because he says, now, if you pass its test, it will empower you to see more than you've ever seen before. If you're not the one destined to possess it, all that awaits you are nightmares beyond your wildest imagination. Yeah. Like, whoa, dude. Okay, that's those are some. That's a big risk, right? Like, this item is going to pick you, and if it doesn't pick you, you're in for a lifetime of torture. Yeah. 
But I mean, how did he pick the item that may or may not pick Pegasus? Yeah, what if he had picked like, the scales and the scales were like, I don't want this guy. Right. When he could have been he, chosen by the eyeball, anything. which he is. Well, yeah, which he is, and we get to that later, but like, what a risk, right? Yeah. Like, what he could have been picked by, you know, maybe it was his destiny to get the scales, like you said, and he picked the eyeball just on like a random whim. We'll never know if he if he could get the scales, right? Well, he was worthy, but now he's been driven insane and tortured by this other Millennium item. Ah, well, so it goes. And yeah, so okay, okay, so like it it tests him somehow a like beam of light comes out yeah and he starts screaming for a bit uh i do want to point out um when he picks up the millennium eye it's it's huge it's like big enough to be a pokeball in this dude's hand yeah it's like a grapefruit yeah but then i realized oh like i was wondering is that going to even fit in his head and i realized oh yeah they're anime characters that's like normal eye size for them That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be about anime eyeball size. Yeah. Just sort of like fist size. It. Yeah. Uh, giant eyeball. I mean, that that was everyone's complaint about uh, that Alita Battle Angel movie that came out. You know, yeah. just how her eyes are so big. No, no, no. That's just how it works. It's perfectly natural. Uh, so... Yeah, so how does it decide if he passes the test? It just does, It right? just, it like, interfaces with his mind or something. It's not really shown. It just kind of shines a bunch of light in his face, and he screams. And then it's like, oh, it, okay. And then I think it, it just... jacks into the Pegasus Matrix. <laughs> and then I think it just takes the place of his eye. We don't see this happen, but... No, we don't see it happen, but we do see the, the random dude uh, saying, like, oh, you are the chosen one. Yeah. Right? No, you haven't just, descended into madness. Like, so I guess you're chosen. Oh, that's right. Congratulations. Chosen. Uh, and immediately Pegasus looks up to see Cecilia sort of appear out of thin air. And he like goes in a beam to hug of her. Light. And you know, she appears in this like pink dress and everything. And he goes to hug her. But then she disappears again in uh, a sort of cloud of rose petals this is ridiculous because this is like the first time we see cecilia and then like it's just like super emotional moment that pegasus is like being put on the path to getting his desires and then she just kind of goes pop with this sound Mm -hmm. effect that's just like a balloon popping (laughs) it's kind of it's (laughs) and she just goes fwing if it weren't, I think, for the like the rose petal visuals and Pegasus's voice acting being so good, I think it would be just a comedy moment because it really is just like a oh she's here oh there she goes yeah it's just like a soap bubble being popped right whoop lost her again uh, and the the dude kind of explains that like while the eye lets you see things you can't touch them that's not how the shadow realm works blah 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 uh, and then we fade out from that scene. We fade into Taya finishing reading the diary with what I thought was a huge revelation. Uh, Apparently, Pegasus's plan was to combine Kaiba Corp's hologram technology with the magic of all the Millennium items to somehow restore Cecilia's body and soul. But how? What? Yeah. 
is this like a is this like a weird science sort of thing? Is he gonna make like a magical hollow wife? Yeah, is she just gonna be like a millennium item surrounded by this like hologram, this like hard light? I've been watching Voyager, and that's basically what happens to the Doctor. Is he trying to make Kimiko from Archer? <laughs> His hollow waifu. Is I mean, is he though? Like, is that the plan? That's what it sounds like. This is basically the same, also the same story as, um, I know you haven't played F-Zero, but that's the same story as the Skull, who was like uh, this famous racer like 200 years before the events of F-Zero, and then this racing conglomerate brought him back to life with the combined powers of science and black magic. Oh, damn. So he's just a skeleton driving a futuristic race car. I mean, I guess that's kind of the plot of the uh, the 2016 Doom game, too, right? Yeah. You revived with science and magic? Yeah, science and magic. Two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> science and magic, the Reese's Puffs of, of uh, anime. So it's basically, uh, the plan was to make a black magic hologram. And he could only wife. do that... Yeah, apparently he yeah, could you, only you do need, that. You add that last word there. That really, I think, brings it home. Black magic hologram wife, which he could only get by just straight up overtaking Kaiba Core. I guess he can't, like, license this technology because Kaiba only wants to use it for his card games. <laughs> no other I mean, I uses. Feel like, I feel like if Pegasus were to describe to Kaiba, like... I want to make a hollow wife. Kaiba would probably be like, yeah, me too. I know. I want to make a hologram dragon. <laughs> that is also my hologram wife. Join me. Together we shall make a powerful team of hologram wives and dragons. <laughs> it's the real housewives of hologram <laughs> magic. Uh, so... Okay, yeah, so so they read all this, and uh, they are trying to figure out what's going on, and then Yugi notices on the side table there that there are the three soul cards. I don't know how he knows that they're soul cards, but he somehow does, and they're blank. Yeah. And Joey, in his infinite knowledge of magic, realizes, oh, these three cards are blank, that means that Grandpa and Kaiba and Mokuba have their souls back, and we should go find them. Local warlock expert Joey Wheeler. Sudden sudden magic expert. Uh, and and just, like, takes off, right? Like, he has this realization, and he just starts running. Yeah. And everyone goes, yeah, okay, all right. Oh, these, and, these cards are blank. Therefore, the souls are back in their bodies. Well... Let's go and leave these cards behind. Right. It, There's no possible way they're wrong. Is there like is there a word for this? I feel like there should be a word for this, like a name for this, like a character that suddenly has fourth wall breaking knowledge. I'm sure there's something on it on like TV tropes. I can't rem- yeah. imagine what it's like, called it's not, though. It's not like a Mary Sue, it's not like a Deus Ex Machina. It's just like, here's a character that suddenly understands exactly what's happening, even though they have no plausible right to. Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. But why is he not wrong? (laughs) 
This is the character that has been wrong about literally everything in his life. Yeah, the, this is a character who is famous for being dumb. And being bad at cards. The, not, what, not even seven days ago in show time, uh, this is the character that was eating, like, a rotten, burnt fish. Yeah. He did not know how to play card games. Like... But suddenly, a week ago, but suddenly gleaned this knowledge. <laughs> uh, so the the rest of the gang goes off following Joey, and Yugi is like kind of falling behind. Is Joey an he's idiot trying to figure out what's going on? Where he's actually like has a potential to be super smart, and then just doesn't really care about it most of the time because he just wants to beat people up and play card games. Joey is a magic rain man. <laughs> Oh yeah, magic. I know how magic, and and that's the thing is, is he's so, he's so much a savant that he doesn't even know that he's a savant. It's instinctual for him. Is Joey a sorcerer? Joey might be a. Joey might have some dragon blood in him. <laughs> oh, you guys don't know about magic. I thought everyone knew about magic. I mean, it'd be, it's it's similar to Tristan's sharp hands. <laughs> He's like, oh, you don't cut things when you punch them? Do, no, doesn't everybody have that? Anyway. Anyway, uh, I've been describing these youths running out of a room for about 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, they all run out of the room. Yugi's left behind. Because he's Yugi. so short, he can't run. So apparently he's like, wait up for me. And he gets to the stairs and he is stopped in the stairs by a glowing puddle. Yep. There's a magical swirly Photoshop effect. And the mysterious Egyptian guy we saw before in Pegasus's past just kind of ascends. Yeah. He like rises. Well, it's the same shot from the intro. Yeah. Right? He's like rising up out of this. This ripple effect out of portal. the stairs. Yeah. So. He just teleports. Uh, yeah, he 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 uh, uh, warps in. He telefrags somebody, I'm sure. Uh, but he sort of like he fast travels with his Sheikah slate. Yeah, and he, he's he's speaking to us, the audience. He's like talking about how there was a imbalance in the force, uh, as though a million voices were crying out and suddenly silence. Yeah, he um, sensed this like imbalance in like the cosmic balance or something along those lines and he knew that someone had taken a millennium item that they shouldn't have right uh and he's here to investigate and he's like i guess i'll start here because he sees yugi and he sees yugi's millennium puzzle and he's like well i guess i'm looking for stolen millennium items i might as well start with this child (laughs) this child who has a millennium item hanging around his neck and yugi's like hey what are you doing and he's he noticeably doesn't speak to yugi at all he's just inner monologuing the whole time Right, so he's like floating towards this kid, completely silent. He takes his necklace off and reveals that it's a giant ass key, like a Legend of Zelda boss door key. Yeah. And he holds it up to Yugi's head. Like it's a like it's a like it's a gun and he's threatening him. <laughs> I'm gonna get you. Like that's like it's like a dirty hairy moment. He's like, now I know what you're thinking. Did I cast five spells or six? And he uses it to what he calls unlock his mind, which I guess is the joke, it being a key. 
Yeah. And he, he holds the key up to Yugi's forehead, twists it, and we get that same sort of inverted color thing. And he warps into Yugi's mind. Yeah. And he's, this is the same thing uh, I've seen before in season zero. Um, and in the manga, I think I saw him there too. But he's inside Yugi's mind, which I think we've seen in the show once before. We've seen the... Once or twice now, yeah. But he's walking down a corridor in Yugi's mind, and on one side, there's little Yugi's room, which is like a Chuck E. Cheese playroom. It's a literal child's room with like big blocks and stuffed animals and balloons. Yeah, it looks like a daycare. (laughs) It looks exactly like a daycare. There's fucking like alphabet blocks... Yeah, how those little elephants you pull on a string. How young is Yugi? That's what I want to know. <laughs> and he and he looks, takes one look at the open door into this room. It's like, well, uh, this is a literal baby's room. <laughs> it's too innocent to be someone who steals Millennium items. But what about this room? And he looks over at this other door, which is like this ancient Egyptian tomb that's like overgrown with mold and there's a giant like millennium eye in the metal door that also has all these like veins in it. Hmm. Yeah, what was up with that? It's a metal door with veins. It's super creepy. There's no other way to describe it either. It is a veiny door. It looks like um, whatever the hell the name is of that creature that Pegasus used last episode. Oh, it does. Yeah, it looks like... Requiem? Thousand Eyes Restrict. Oh, yep, there it is. Oh, there's a memory I didn't want back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it does. It looks a lot like that. Yeah. And, uh, hmm. He, he's like, hmm, what's in this spooky door? So he opens a scary door, and, uh, Big Yugi is there. He's just like, hey, come on in. No, okay. You, okay, you, you can say just casually, like, and Big Yugi's there. Only Big Yugi is there. Yes. Everything else is pitch black. You can see little bits of like stone wall. There's no furniture. There's nothing. It's just Big Yugi chilling there in the middle of the room. <laughs> and he goes, okay. hey, come on in. Sure. Come on it's into like, my mind. So I, I showed Lauren Silence of the Lambs recently for the first time. Oh, I haven't seen it either. Oh, man. Uh I first watched Silence of the Lambs when I was really sick in college, and uh, I I got really sick. I I think I must have had the flu or something, but I could feel it coming on, so I went to the library, and I got two DVDs, and they were the only DVDs that I had to watch the whole time I was sick. Do you want to know what DVDs I got? Oh, God. One of them was Silence of the Lambs. The other one was Schindler's List. Oh, no. (laughs) Because I was a film major, and I'm like, oh, I better watch these films that are like important in the zeitgeist or whatever so back to back to see you when you're like (laughs) i I was was like deathly ill and i watched schindler's list and then i watched silence of the lambs afterwards it was not good but so i showed silence of the lambs to lauren recently uh and there's that first scene where you meet hannibal lecter uh and he's just standing in the middle of his cell completely silent just staring at the camera and he's looking directly into the camera, too, so it feels like he's looking at you, and he's just been, like, waiting for you. That is what Big Yugi is doing right That's now. That's totally what he's doing right now. He has been standing here, doing nothing, waiting for this guy to show up. 
Uh, and he just goes, oh, yeah, it's fine. Come on in. And the the dude says something that I think is really funny here that I wrote down where he goes, uh, he's thinking to himself, but he says, in the past, I ventured into the minds of many people, but I've never encountered a chamber so dank and mysterious as this. So now we know Big Yugi, he's got a dank chamber. <laughs> Welcome to my dank chamber. He's in there. <laughs> Smoking his jewel. It's time it's to jewel. <laughs> he, he, he just turns his head Jimmy, and blows a big vape cloud at this guy as he enters. Jimmy, I need. <laughs> we just did a callback to a joke that we did not record. <laughs> I was saying it again for the benefit of the audience. When we started this call, dear listener, Jimmy begins our conversation by saying, Have you ever thought about the phrase. It's time to j- 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 jewel, and it's just Yugi vaping. <laughs> and I said, no, Jimmy. Why would a human being think those things? <laughs> Literally like three seconds before I sat down to record, that popped into my head for some reason. It was just very funny to me, imagining Yugi just turning to the camera and blowing a big old chunky cotton cloud of vapor <laughs> right into the camera. Uh, So... It's does, time to jewel. Does this guy explain to Big Yugi at all what he is doing here? Um, kind of. He's super coy about it, but he explains that um, he's just looking around because someone has stolen the power of one of the Millennium items uh, that were created 5,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he is descended from a secret order that guards the Millennium items. Great job, once again. So... Okay, sorry. Brief tangent. They were created five millennia ago. Yeah. Multiple millennia. They're they're the millennia items. But but like yeah. So like, how did they get their name? Were they called the millennium items when they were new? <laughs> they're the one year old items. <laughs> <laughs> and then once they got to a millennia, they were like, eh, let's just call them millennium items. Yeah, oh, okay. Oh, fuck it. Then, and then, anyway, we can't yeah, just yeah. keep so calling them the five millennium items. Right. I'll just get com- confusing because there's more of them. Oh, right, yeah, there's more than five. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so he's explaining all that to Big Yugi, and he's hunting down the person that stole the Millennium Eye from Pegasus, who is the chosen one. Uh, and he... I, I wish I'd written this down, but he, he essentially is like... Now, the other half of the mind is innocent so i know that that half couldn't have stolen the millennium item but look at you you're creepy ass motherfucker yeah, you're your creepy ass bastard sitting here in the dark in this like tomb uh he goes i need to search your mind because i'm not convinced that you wouldn't have stolen it because look at you here you weird spirit inhabiting the body of a 10 year old 10 <laughs> year old boy yeah uh, and, and he, uh, he's like he's like yeah no the, you obviously aren't going to harm the young lad that I share this vessel with. Yeah, he uses the word vessel, which is very creepy. Um, but that, he, yeah, Pharaoh says, yeah, I have nothing to hide, um, but proven in, guilty until proven innocent, huh? That's a ancient thought for the modern age or something along those lines. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's essentially like, the, the guy is 
essentially saying, I need to probe your mind before I can be sure that you didn't do this. Yeah. And he's like, are you and accusing me of being the criminal? Fine. Have a look like, around. No, but also yes. <laughs> and so Big Yugi snaps his fingers to open the doors to his unconscious mind. And literally all that does is he's got a clapper set up somewhere in the room because he snaps his fingers and it turns the lights on. Welcome to Motel My Brain. We'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> That's Pharaoh Baudet. Uh, <laughs> and it, I mean, it's an MC Escher painting, right? Yeah. That's literally all it is. It reveals the inside of his mind, which is literally just a big old MC Escher kind of D&D maze. Yeah, That's his it's entire this big brain. stone room. All these... And the guy like looks up at it and he goes, oh, oh, I have to still search all this, don't I? <laughs> huh. All right. I guess we'll Well, I guess then. I'll start looking around. And so he's walking around inside Yugi's mind, but he keeps coming up, up against all these like traps. Yeah, like D&D like... traps. He opens the door and then like... A giant rock falls and almost crushes him. Isn't there? A, is there a spike pit at one point? There's probably a spike pit. All kinds of stuff. There's like certainly that. a. There's a bottomless pit that shows up, uh, sort of as the scene like gets to its conclusion. But is this just Inception? Yeah, he is kind of going deeper into this dude's mind. And like he he talks about oh the subconscious protection measures or whatever. Yeah, there's all kinds uh, of things to keep the secrets locked up in a way but my millennium item will lead me to the true door or something along those lines right yeah it's sort of he's he's relying on the millennium key to to guide him to the door that will get him to whatever it is that he's looking for the truth uh and so it's guiding him and it's guiding him and it's guiding him and suddenly the floor falls out from under him no, hold and he on. begins to fall uh-huh uh he gets to the true door and uh yeah. he's like Oh, uh, this must be the the true door. Everything else in this this crazy mind has been traps. I will use extreme caution, he says, before taking one single step, and the entire floor collapses under him. <laughs> it's very much like when you're playing D anD D, and the rogue is like, "I check for traps," and then he rolls a one on his perception check. Yeah, <laughs> and he goes, "I don't see anything." Oh, da 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 da. And the floor collapses, and he's just left dangling there by one arm right and who should save him but little yugi yeah he monologues a little bit uh to himself about how uh if he falls into this bottomless pit he'll be trapped forever in the labyrinth of this mind which will mean that there's now three souls stuck in yugi's brain three boys <laughs> how many boys can we fit in one uh, body it's, and it's it's just yugi's luck Oops. Maybe that's why he shows up, if nothing else. Little little Yugi shows up and he grabs this guy's hand, I think just to ensure that no more than than two boys inhabit this body. No more boys body. in there's, my brain. There's a two there's a two boy limit. <laughs> so he rescues and, the guy. Uh, yep, yep. And what does he say here? He well, so the guy just keeps like monologuing to himself. Like it's getting really annoying here. And he essentially says to little Yugi, like, oh, you must be the other presence in this vessel, I think as he uses that word again, the, the innocent one. And he goes, yeah, uh, I guess so. I'm the one that solved the Millennium Puzzle, 
and he goes, Oh, you must be the chosen one or, or whatever. And, uh, he, little Yugi like apologizes for big Yugi's traps. Like he's like, yeah, I, I don't think he's trying to hide anything from you. I think it's just like, there's some memories in here that are hidden even from big Yugi. Yeah. Even from himself. And as he's explaining that, the door that this guy was trying to get into opens just on its own. It's filled with a gleaming light, and it just kind of creaks open. And uh, and the guy is like, oh, well, like, what what is it about you where these secrets that are hidden even from, like, the person that they belong to, they open for you? Oh, that thing I just said about you being the chosen one, you must be the chosen one. Like, he repeats himself, like, four different times. Like, ah, this, there we go. That's the, yep. Oh, okay, proof. I get it. Chosen. You're the chosen one. Okay. That, that tracks. That makes sense. But what if you were the chosen one? If you were the chosen one, you could be the chosen one. <laughs> so they go through this open door. Right. And uh, they, they go through the open door, and they go into a hallway that looks like the hallway we've seen previously when uh, Tristan and Bakura and Taya went to the shadow duel thing. It's essentially a hallway with these giant stone tablets that all have carvings on them that look like duel monsters cards. Uh, and it is, uh, yeah, an exact replica of, of the shadow game monster cards we've seen recently. Uh, the random dude tells little Yugi about, uh, how these were the spirits of monsters that were dueled in shadow games. And then this ancient and powerful Pharaoh locked the spirits away into these tablets. Who could uh, that so be? That the world could be saved. Uh, and then as they're talking, Yugi's looking around and one of the tablets comes to life, revealing the dark magician. Dun, dun, dun. Dark magician. What are you doing here in Yugi's mind? And the dark magician sort of floats into the the middle of the hallway and moves like he's going to attack, uh, the, the dudes. Yeah. He prepares to attack for like five damn minutes as, uh, what's his name? (laughs) Monologues. I mean, it's an anime. What do you expect? Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, so he's like monologuing and he realizes that they're standing on a giant tablet, like a big floor mosaic of blue eyes, white dragon, who is apparently dark magician's nemesis. Yeah. Question mark. And how dark oh, magician was brought up like an actual guy back in ancient times. And his like arch enemy was the blue eyes, white dragon. Right. So he goes so to start he... to summon the blue eyes white dragon out of the floor, which is exactly. apparently a thing he can do. And then Yugi is like, hey, wait a minute. That's Dark Magician. I know that guy. He won't hurt me. <laughs> Hi, Dark Magician. It's me, your and, buddy Yugi. And yeah, he like he literally tells the guy to stop. And the guy's like, "What? why? And Yugi goes, because he never hurt me. <laughs> which is like... Don't other dark magician cards exist in the world? Yeah, you don't you don't know this dark magician. You've been playing cards with his face on him. Right. <laughs> but apparently every iteration of dark magician knows Yugi and like won't attack him. So he runs out and he goes, "Hey bud, it's me. You don't need to attack me. Don't you recognize me?" And dark magician stands down yeah he just stops you know, he does know yugi he, i guess he does and apparently uh the the random dude explains in ancient times the dark magician only obeyed the pharaoh 
And then he goes again. That must mean that this kid is the chosen one. I, the prophecy has come true in this tiny child. Right. And uh, yeah, so they so they kind of just like get done with that interaction. And without even really seeing what else is in the room, the dude like pulls the key out of Yugi's brain, pops back out of Yugi's mind. And then he's like, oh, hey. Uh, sorry for unlocking your mind and reading all your darkest secrets. Uh, I didn't realize you were the chosen one. Right. He calls Yugi specifically the one fated to unlock all the magic. Ominous. You know, yeah. the magic, he's going to unlock all of it. All the magic, huh? Yugi's a completionist. <laughs> he's going to unlock all the magic. <laughs> he's going to get all the Korok seeds. And, and then he does what he does best. He fucks right off. He just leaves. And just like walks back into the magical puddle he came into or came in from. And then Yugi's and... like, hey, wait a minute. Can you please tell me literally anything about what's going on? This is kind of important. And from the like glowing puddle, he goes, oh, yeah, uh, my name is. And he says his name and it's shoddy shoddy S-H-A-D-I. Not shoddy, like the job he's doing guarding the Millennium items. And not shoddy like the T-Pain song. <laughs> shoddy, it's your booty. <laughs> uh, so shoddy, like a memory in my head, uh, says... Uh, you must collect the apple bottom jeans and the boots with the fur. <laughs> so Yugi's like, uh, wait, I have so many questions for you. And the Millennium says, boots with the fur. So Shadi says, I'm sure we'll meet again someday. And he says, until then, stay true to your destiny. Remember, the fate of the world rests on your shoulders. And then he just leaves. And that's the end of the episode. Fade to black. This is how I want to end every conversation from now on. (laughs) Just by dropping some, like, incredible truth on someone and then just leaving without explaining yourself or anything. Not even, not even a, an incredible truth, but just like, like you're at a Starbucks, right? Uh-huh. And like they give you your coffee, and they go, "All right, have a great day." And I'm like, "I'll see you next time." Until then, stay true to your destiny. Remember, the fate of the world rests on your shoulders. And then leave. <laughs> that would not surprise me if that happens every day here in Portland. Yeah, probably. There's got to be somebody doing it. Yeah, that's uh, that's the end of the episode. That's, that's the end of the episode, man. Uh, what was your favorite part? Um, God, my favorite part had to have been... Uh, we had a lot of good Pegasus backstory. We did. Finally true. getting to the bottom of his uh, wants and needs. Um, my favorite part, though, was this whole last sequence where Shadi is just kind of walking around inside their brain. Hmm. Kind of cool. And there's like, we I've seen it before in like a two part episode in season zero. Uh, this oh, is okay. like a yeah. hyper condensed version. We also get a little bit of it in the movie, and I think the movie takes place in the, immediately after this episode, if I remember correctly. I'll have to I'll have to look it up later. Um, but the movie takes place somewhere in here. Yeah, we've seen this before. This, this yeah. Mind palace, but it is cool. You know, it's it's neat to be like, 
oh, here's a physical representation of this, like, bifurcated soul vessel. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them is a literal, like, toddler's room with brightly right. colored stuffed animals and blocks. It's a McDonald's play place. <laughs> McDonald's play place. And the other half is just this, like, ancient necropolis full of traps yeah, and spikes. It's it's split half. <laughs> it's a it's a classic Portland establishment. It's a one half McDonald's play place, one half BDSM dungeon. <laughs> it kind of is. Uh, yeah, lots of good magic stuff to end this uh, this season on. Well, not entirely yet, but that's a, a lot of really. It's a cool ending. Uh, it's nice to have some context for all this stuff that's been going on. Yeah, it, it's a bit of an ex- exposition dump is like why it's not my favorite, but it's nice to finally have literally any exposition. Yeah. Oh, this is why magic is here. This is what all these creatures are doing. This is why Pegasus was trapping souls and trying to take over another company. So we can make right. a, ho- a necromantic holographic wife. <laughs> you know, as you do. As you do. What was your favorite part? Not my department. <laughs> you just love croquet and his just terrible that fucking line. Well, because it, because it was like, I have, I have genuinely disliked every single moment that croquet has spoken so far. I cannot stand that voice in normal conversation for some reason, but that line made it all worthwhile. <laughs> Like, that is the reason for Croquet to exist, is to say, not my department. It's not his department. It's not. He's not here to it's babysit this department. kid and his lost souls. He's trying to but tend just, to his ailing boss, who just got his it's eyeball just ripped such out. A, it's just such a perfect... It's so perfect. <laughs> I can't. I can't possibly imagine a better line to put there. It's pretty great. So that's my favorite part. How about your least favorite? Uh, least favorite. I'm disappointed that the shadow game was just spearing each other with millennium lasers. Yeah. Like, that's not a shadow that game. That was weird. That's not even a game. You're just going pew pew, and then one of them is declared the winner. Because he right. hasn't been in the shadow realm, like five minutes before yeah that part like i was half expecting there i was half expecting it to be a two-parter as soon as i realized like oh bakura is challenging him to a duel one final doer see the end of this duel like next episode for extreme stakes no no just pew pew yeah it felt lazy it did it did i'll give you that yeah that's my worst what's your worst trying to decide that was pretty bad like i i don't know that that's quite my worst but that like that amount of laziness i think my worst is just the overall pacing of this episode mm. i don't really know that i can pin it on one thing this episode felt very like quick in the beginning and then very slow at the end yeah like it was rushing to get through all the pegasus stuff all the the peanut gallery stuff it was rushing to get to the point where Shadi shows up and like unlocks Yugi's mind, and then it spends. I can't unhear it as Shadi now. <laughs> and then it spends fucking forever 
just not, not even like I'm not talking like length of time. They're probably about equal length of time if we're talking about each scene. But the the editing of up to that point is so fast. Like the lines happen immediately one after another. The action is like they don't show people moving from room to room. They just cut and they're in the room. Yeah. Right? Like like Bakura shows up. He's just in the room. There he is. The peanut gallery shows up. They're in the room. There they are. How'd they get there? I don't know. Um and then it gets to Shadi unlocks Yugi's mind without consent, mind you. Yeah. And then the shots turn into this, like every shot is so long and it shows each individual action of like walking upstairs, opening doors, monologuing to yourself and the pace of the edit slows so far down where it's like, and I said to you this to you while you were watching the episode, the episode as a result felt simultaneously too short and too long. Yeah. It was a bizarre effect to have. And it just, it it felt like it could have been two episodes. Maybe should have been two episodes. Yeah. This is one that should have been two episodes. Cause you'd have one episode to really dive into Pegasus's backstory Mm-hmm. and see what like what his future plans were i want to hear more about his hologram necromancy wife yeah i would have loved the full episode of like don't don't involve yugi and the gang at all right it's it starts with pegasus flashback going up through losing cecilia discovering the millennium items discovering magic discovering kaiba's hologram technology and then building the plan to be like, oh, I'll build my black magic hollow wife. Yeah, that would be a lot cooler than what we got. Now I'm wondering if he has like a prototype like Terminator skeleton in one of his basement labs somewhere. Oh, I fucking hope so. Where there's like Right? That would be such a good show. Like it would be have hologram emitters on it and then like in the center there's a spot where you can stick one of the millennium items or something. I don't know how it works. And so it would, like, light up and, like, turn into Cecilia. Like, he would get her soul back and plug her into this machine. I want to see it. And we don't get to see it because it's a kid's show. Yeah. That's that's really the shame here. <laughs> this show needs to be for grown-ups. <laughs> this show should uh, be catering no, to me, no, a 29-year-old man, instead of literal <laughs> children. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so I think the pacing was my worst. But uh, you know what? That's okay. It didn't need to be like the best thing ever. It didn't need to be, I think, better than it was. It The episode as a whole served its purpose. I think I was just kind of, I felt weird watching it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it gave me sort of a, sort of a whiplash <laughs> uh, episode wise. Um, it's as good as we're going to get from Yu-Gi-Oh, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I think so. It was as good as it was going to be. Uh, do you have anything else you want to, you want to add about the episode? No, let's end this. All right. It's time to end the episode. Jimmy, as we do every week, we talk about our card of the week. There were no cards really this episode. So we're just going to go straight to our random card. Yeah, I guess the only card we ever see is Cecilia. She was well, on the, the card. and the fortune telling cards, but we don't really yeah. have any cards in play. 
There was Dark so Magician, but our, he wasn't a card. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. I guess Dark Magician then? Yeah, we know about Dark Magician. Yeah, it's, he's not a new character. I got it pulled up already, man. All We're right. just going to go straight. I want. I just want to I want to do the... We've been recording for like two hours. Yeah. To uh, be fair, this is like the end of the season, the main season arc. That's so. true. We are we are getting into the really lengthy uh, discussion-heavy episodes, I think. But so this week's card of the week. Lay it on me. You you ready for I'm this? Ready. Magical reflect slime. Ah, magical reflect slime. Which I think is a new anime that just came out. Uh, magical reflect slime is a three-star aqua slash Gemini monster. Uh, this card is treated as a normal monster while face up on the field or in the graveyard. While this card is face up on the field, you can normal summon it to have it be treated as an effect monster with this effect. Your opponent takes all battle damage that you would have taken from a battle involving this card. That's pretty cool. 700 attack, 1200 defense, and it looks like blue flubber. Yep. Imagine magical reflect slime, and that's pretty much what you got. It looks like someone took blue or like silvery goop and then just got a like a handful of it and dropped it on the floor and it's kind of splashing up yeah like have you ever gotten that um that like smart goo from like a uh like a sharper image store or like a um what's the other one starts with a b bennigan's brook oh brookstone Brookstone. like you know like like just any like airport gift shop that has the like science tin stuff. can with yeah with like the sciency goo in it you know that stuff yeah. it's like the magnetic slime that you get in those uh but somebody's just like yeah stepped in it i guess <laughs> <laughs> it's splashing up yeah that's basically what you see is what you get it's it's slime and it's reflecting and there it is i love this there we've been on this kick lately of like Oh, you want to know what the card looks like? Just p- picture it in your head. That's you got it. Yeah, there's been a lot of monsters like that recently. There's really, I don't really think there's any way to go wrong with this one. Yeah, just picture a blue flubber splashing. Ta-da! Super exciting, right? <laughs> That's our card of the week. Ending ending uh, the whole season with some slimy ooze. Well, yeah, okay. We'll 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 it'll it'll come back around. Yeah. We've got a few episodes yet. Uh, all right. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at yampod. That's Y A M P O D. You can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, heartofthe.cards. Uh, Jimmy, uh, we can listen to your other podcast, yep, right? Dungeonsagainsthumanity.net. Uh, we're approaching the kind of the end game in our campaign. Uh, so listen to that dungeons against humanity.net should be getting to an exciting point pretty soon. Sweet, sweet. Uh, next week we are going to be talking about season one, episode 41, the wrath of Rebecca. The what now? Who's Rebecca? The wrath of Rebecca. Ooh, she's mad. You know, Becky with the good hair. (laughs) Oh yeah. Rebecca. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> you know, that famous character yep. from Yu-Gi-Oh, Rebecca. That woman we all know and love. My favorite character, Rebecca. 
you know, all the characters, Yugi, Mokuba, Kaiba, Pegasus, Rebecca. Rebecca. Yeah. So, obviously, this is the end. We just watched the end of the Duelist Kingdom arc. So, are these, like, playing off of that in any way? Or is this getting into, like, one-off episodes here and there to pad out the rest of the season? From what I remember, it's a bit of both. Hmm. These do, like, they do deal with the direct sort of follow-up after Yugi beats Pegasus, but they're not necessarily like, oh, we're going to go track down the rest of the Millennium items. You know, like, that's that's really more the stuff that they get into in Season 2. Um, moving forward, what they call these seasons in, like, the Wikipedia articles is, it's like two mini-seasons, basically, or mini-arcs. Mm. What we're getting into now is called Legendary Heroes, uh, and that goes from episode 41 to 45. Uh, and then after that, I'm really excited for this. Starting in episode 46, we're going to get into Dungeon Dice Monsters. Oh, you've mentioned this before. I have. Dungeon Dice Monsters is essentially what happens when, like we've mentioned before, there's only one game in the universe, and that's Duel Monsters. What happens when some kid grows up and wants to be a game designer. Cool. So, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I actually, I, I do remember the next episode pretty vividly, The Wrath of Rebecca. Uh, there is sort of a two-parter that happens. Uh, it essentially, there's a duel that lasts for an additional episode here. So it's not explicitly a two-parter. Like, it's not called that in the title but it basically is. Hmm. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Oh, all right. Then I'll there's, look forward to it. There's some stuff in there where it's like, from what I remember, it's not magic necessarily, but it is the storytelling aspect of Yu-Gi-Oh that like can be very serious and very poignant mm-hmm. while being good television. So if you liked this episode, just wait. You'll love the next for the wrath of Rebecca. Oh man, her wrath! It's coming. She's uh, yeah. mad. It's coming. All right, folks, that'll do us for today. Until next time. Not my department. <laughs>